This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me this week is Kip Adams. Kip, we are 11 days from the start of the 2022 season for Georgia. How is this day treating you? My, my, what a difference a year makes. Uh, you know, uh, if there's one thing I've learned in the last year, it's that, uh, you know, you, you can't really overcome, uh, you know, losing your, your top two, you know, playmakers. Uh, it, it's impossible. So a year ago, uh, doing the same pod and, you know, kind of thinking about Georgia's offense and, not having uh George Pickens, not having uh Eric Gilbert out there. Uh Georgia didn't stand a chance. We should have just shut it off and and, and went home and called not it even a done year. A, called it a not year. even a done a pod. And then, you know, uh heaven forbid your five star quarterback, you know, goes down. And that would have been a you know, that would have been it uh for Georgia's season. But they still played, still went ahead and took the field and, and now here we are talking about uh you know, Georgia as a defending national champions. It's It's been a quick year, if this feels like. I know every year goes by mathematically the same, but it just feels like uh, we were just talking about things like that. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, we got we got college football this weekend. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt's basically going ahead and getting that bowl game out of the way and, and playing at Hawaii this weekend. So, congrats to the Commodores for starting their season off, uh, you know, uh, with, with a big matchup there. And obviously uh, Florida State's got and gets, gets to kick off their season as well against the Dukes, uh, Duquesne, the Duquesne Dukes, uh, for anyone out there wondering who I was referring to there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it. We're here. The, the season is technically here, but we get to spend some time previewing Georgia football. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to talk about it. We get to bask in it a little. And you said congrats to Vanderbilt. Congrats to the Vanderbilt beat riders. Uh, you know, th- get a trip to Hawaii. I, I, Some I of hope, them. <laughs> I hope they were, I was going to say, I hope they were able to swing that one. I don't know what that conversation was like. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've got a little bit before that first game, Georgia versus Oregon, obviously, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Do we want to take some time this week? We're going to do the offense first, and then we're going to go on Thursday or Friday and do the defense, really focus uh, position by position. So let's start on offense, obviously. This is an offense that lost six starters from last year, uh, but bring back uh, considerable talent. And let's start with the the uh, the main position, the position that everybody loves to talk about, quarterback. Stetson Bennett is coming back. 
there was a few days after the national championship game, a little bit of question what his decision was going to be. He decides he's going to be back at Georgia for his super senior season. Uh, so it's a situation where he has been QB1 throughout the spring, obviously through the summer and to this point in fall camp. All signs seem to be very good uh, from what we've heard, what we've gotten to see. Haven't had a chance to talk to Stetson during fall camp, but uh, I think it's a situation where if you're a Georgia fan, I think it's reasonable to think that the offense can take a step forward as far as Stetson being the guy. You know, he was kind of thrust into that position uh, last season with JT Daniels getting hurt, like you mentioned, Kip. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, I've seen some people talking about, hey, man, here's his Heisman odds. Look at the, you know, getting good value on his Heisman odds. Don't know if I would, you know, jump on that uh, bandwagon. But I think he really can take a step forward, have an even better season uh, statistically than he did in 2021. Uh, Kip, what's your read on Stetson and just uh, what we can make of this position going into a new year? Yeah, that first full offseason with the program, I think, just his overall grasp of the offense. You know, I think he is set up for progression. I think that as far as him being able to, uh, you know, have a, know the entire playbook, but also Todd Monk and have a playbook designed for him. Uh, I, I think, you know, as far as we don't know what his numbers are going to be like, but his quality of play, I, I think they're going to ask more of him. And I think he's he's prepared to do that. And I think that, that should be, you know, an exciting, exciting uh, aspect for for fans looking at this offense, uh, knowing that they may have to do more than they did last year. Uh, that's what you want. You want a quarterback coming back. Uh, you want a quarterback that knows the offense. And you want a quarterback who's, you know, not really had uh, any issues all off season. I mean, this has been Stetson's first full off season, knowing he's the number one quarterback. And, you know, sometimes uh, we've seen in the past where if you're not really being pushed, uh, you know, that could have a, ne a negative effect. That's something interesting to, to kind of watch. But I think as far as uh, what we've heard and seen, I think he's done what they've asked him to do. And, and I think that they feel really confident having him as the number one. There's been no quarterback controversy at all this offseason. Now, you know, that. That first punt we see against Oregon, if they if they do punt, I'm sure you know we'll be, all be prepared for the quarterback controversy to be brought up, uh, you know, on, on the internet on uh, on the junkyard for sure. But as of right now, uh, they feel really good about the situation, and uh, you know I, I think Stet's been set up to have a big year. Uh, will he be a top five quarterback in the SEC? I, I think he can be, and he's got the weapons around him to do that. Yeah, it was interesting just talking to Stetson back at Media Days and also getting Todd Munkin's perspective. You know, I asked Todd if he felt like, you know, that Stetson had kind of maximized this offseason in terms of being that QB1. And the thing that I was really struck by with what Munkin said was, you know, being on the same page with the receivers and, and understanding and being able to relay basically what Todd wants the offense to look like, you know, going through – uh, Stetson and making sure that everybody involved understands, you know, what is expected on a particular play, which made a lot of sense to me. And obviously Stetson has grown in that way and, and is expected to do a lot. Before we move on from quarterback, let's talk a little bit about the battle behind Stetson. I got to admit, I was a little surprised coming off of that second scrimmage. The most questions we got or that Kirby was asked was about the backup quarterback. I was like, okay, if this is how some of the uh, some of the people want to spend their time, okay. But uh, you know, it's it's Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift have basically been the two 
you know, uh, Gunnar Stockton has impressed from what we've heard, but true freshman, obviously still learning the ropes. Don't think it was uh, necessarily uh, fair to expect him to immediately come in and, and battle for that QB2 job. Uh, you're going to find this hard to believe, Kip, but Kirby didn't really show his hand when it came to the quarterbacks. I know it's very unlike a, a head football coach to do something like that, but uh, talked really highly of both guys, Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift. We've heard uh, positive results and, and positive feedback on what Brock has done, the strides he's made in another year in the system. Uh, not really clear who it is, but I, I still think it's Carson Beck. I think that he, having the, the additional experience compared uh, to Brock uh, having a, another year under his belt. I would think that Carson is at QB2, um, but I think if you're a Georgia fan and you're you're kind of wondering about who's behind Stetson, uh, even if it's you know Carson or Brock, I think they should feel really good just about where this room is. And, and you know, you don't want to think about if someone gets hurt, but obviously we're coming off a season, really two seasons in a row, where Georgia has had their quarterback get hurt and uh, it's important to have that depth behind the number one guy. Yeah, I think as far as the backup quarterback position, it, you know, all we can do is kind of uh, really speculate on what the order, the true order will be and, and who's better prepared because, yeah, the last couple of seasons have showed us that that, that original order, uh, the, the depth chart quarterback, it gets changed real quickly whenever, you know, live bullets are, are being fired and, and they're out there on the field. I, I think, I mean, we saw Dwan Mathis, the starter, you know, uh, to, to open the season in 2020. And, and then, you know, multiple changes uh, after that as well. And then, you know, Carson Beck, you know, pe some people thought he was going to start going into the UAB game. And that obviously also didn't didn't happen. So, yeah, Kirby keeps that, that information uh, top secret as best he can. But then also... I, I don't think they're going to know until they actually play, you know, uh, opponents and, and see how they actually play against somebody else right now. So the one positive you could take is that, you know, if if Stetson Bennett's not getting, you know, really pushed by the backups, they're, they're pushing each other. And so if Brock Vandegrift and, and Carson Beck are, are neck and neck, and then that that then you you take that sharpen, you know, iron sharpens iron aspect to it approach to it and think that you know they're pushing each other so uh they're going to come out of that both of them being better quarterbacks and better prepared uh if, if their name is called uh what that will mean for georgia if their name happens to be called for a long period of time i mean that's a true x factor for the season but that's true for for a lot of teams you know you, you look at the best teams around the country we don't know a lot about the backup quarterbacks at other programs as well so I wouldn't really take that as a negative, but I know that fans are are itching to see who the next quarterback will be for Georgia. I'm not exactly sure we'll see a lot of it until uh, until next spring. As some of the questions, Jacob Hudson said, how's Gunner looking as a young QB? I think he's done a really good job. I mean, I think that uh, he's shown them what he can bring to the table, but I think they understand the expectations. They're not going to put too much on a true freshman. They're not going to ask. Uh, him to do more than is necessary. And again, they've got depth in front of him, so I think it's a good opportunity for him to grow. Uh, Curtis Maximus, uh, 51, said, how many seasons has Kirby had one QB throughout? I mean, you'd have to go back to Jake Fromm, right? I guess that would have been, what, 2018 or 2019? Those two years, yeah. And then uh, also Curtis Maximus, I, I, I'm going to take a, a wild guess and say he does not care for Auburn. I saw that. His First comment about he likes driving his truck. Good call there, Curtis Maximus. And, well, anytime uh, yeah. we get squ uh, squid billies on here, we're going to do it. 
Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, but that's college football. I mean, like injuries happen at a lot of positions and uh, Georgia, I mean, they, they've had their fair share uh, of quarterback injuries. Just going back to Jacob Eason, you know, that's, that's kind of how, uh, you know, it all, it all began for, for Jake Fromm's time at Georgia. So yeah, I, you have to be prepared for something like that, but I don't think you could really predict what's going to happen at that position as far as injuries are concerned, but this is why you recruit uh, five-star quarterbacks there, and I think Georgia's done a good job kind of stockpiling that roster for, for the future, if not the present. All right, let's move on and go to running back. It's been a position that was talked about throughout the weekend, albeit not for the best of news. Uh, but uh, starting and right at the top of the depth chart and kind of working our way around, Kenny McIntosh may be the guy we've heard the most about of any player this fall camp. He's done a very good job. I think he's that clear running back one for Georgia going into this year. Kendall Milton has been a guy that has shown flashes in the past. He's been dealing with a hamstring issue and has not been in those last two scrimmages. So obviously that's something to keep keep in mind as we go into the season. Uh, Dejon Edwards, he might kind of be the wild card of this entire room because of what he might be able to bring to the table. I've seen a few people call him the human victory cigar because he uh, got in on some of those gains, those blowouts Georgia had last year. Uh, and then at this point, it's Branson Robinson, the true freshman, with the news that fellow freshman Andrew Paul has torn his ACL. Those are the scholarship guys. And I've also mentioned in a story the other day, Savon Clark is one of the walk-ons. I think if they really needed someone to step up, he would be that other guy. Uh, you know, obviously that's a huge hit to depth to lose Andrew Paul, especially from everything we had heard and some of the stuff we had seen, it kind of seemed like Andrew Paul had a little bit of an edge on Branson Robinson among the true freshmen, what they've been able to do, how they were going through fall camp. But they really need these guys to step up. I think it's imperative that they get Kendall Milton healthy before this season, which even really makes me kind of wonder what his workload is going to look like against Oregon, because obviously long season to have already lost one of your running backs before the season is huge. Um, but I think this, this room has talent. I've been very impressed with what I've seen and what I've heard about Kenny McIntosh, because you knew having to replace their top two running backs from last year and Zamir White and James Cook, they needed guys to step up based on everything that we've seen, what Del McGee has told us, what Kirby Smart has told us. It really seems like Kenny has risen to the occasion. And I think that's huge. I think that, Having those expectations, especially being a running back at Georgia, it's a lot. But I think Kenny is ready to really excel in that role. And uh, I think it's going to be very worthwhile for this offense to have a guy of his ability being that top running back. Yeah, I think I, I think he's really set up for a breakout season. And I mean, just look at James Cook, his first th you know, three years at Georgia. It was one of those like... You know, he's underutilized. When are they going to figure out how to, you know, take advantage of his ability to make plays of the ball? And then last year, you kind of saw it all come to fruition. And, you know, Todd Munkin really kind of, uh, you know, unleashed his full potential. Uh, and with Kenny McIntosh, he's just been behind some really talented guys on the roster. And he's got that, you know, he's got that same talent as far as just being a complete back. And he may have better hands than James Cook. You know, he might not be a guy that, I mean, you never know with Georgia's strength and conditioning program, but he might not be a guy that, that runs a sub 4-4 at the combine, uh, you know, but at the same time, I think he's a guy that can really do it all. And 
it makes Georgia more unpredictable when you have a guy like Kenny McIntosh. The one thing with James Cook, when he came in early on, you kind of knew, you know, is he, are, are they, is he in motion? You know, are they going to run him outside? Uh, they're going to throw, you know, they're just going to throw him the ball when he's on the field. But with Kenny McIntosh, he, he can make defenders miss in one-on-one situations. And can, I mean, again, outstanding receiver as well. You have a guy like that in the field. It's, it, it makes you, I mean, two-dimensional uh, as far as what you can do with him with the other playmakers you have in the field. So if you, I say this a lot. If you can be unpredictable, that's that's an offensive coordinator's best friend. Defensive coordinator, really, too. If you can be unpredictable, then you know it gives you uh, the ability to to kind of pull whatever you want, and, and the defense will not be able to to move as quickly because they can't anticipate. And I think Kenny McIntosh is really set up to be that kind of guy for Georgia, a guy that they can have all three downs on the field, a guy that I mean, they're not going to really feed. I don't know if Kirby Smart's going to want to give a running back thirty carries a game. Uh, you know, and be that kind of guy, but he can get over 20 touches a game and, and really be a, a dynamic playmaker for Georgia. So I think he's set up really well, and I think it bodes really well just how much praise he's been getting in fall camp. I, I mean, that's a, I mean that, that's what you want. You want a guy to kind of stand out and, and, and be that guy who can be your feature back. Georgia, it's one thing. Georgia has had multiple guys who are really good, but it's, it, you know, it's really been a rotation. They've had multiple not hands to feed, but just multiple guys with talent. If Kenny McIntosh is the true number one, then, I mean, he, he could become a star, one of the best running backs in the country, and, and really, you know, put himself on the map. And I think that, that would probably bode well for, for a Georgia offense that, you know, is projected to really be prolific this season. Yeah, and I think it's got to be promising, too, just with these coaches. These guys have never been one to give people good feedback or praise people that haven't earned it. I mean, I've I've heard, you know, even going back to when I was a student covering Georgia, you know, you would kind of ask Kirby about a guy, you know, working on a feature or something, hoping he would say something positive, and he would just shoot you straight and be like, hey, he needs to do this, this, and this. I mean, it's been nothing but positive when it comes to Kenny McIntosh, and I think that, should make you excited if you're a Georgia fan for what this run game can be with him and also his ability in the passing game. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do that, I want to thank everybody that's watching on Facebook Live and recommend everyone to go to our YouTube channel, Dogs247. Go subscribe. If you look in the comments on this video, you can see the link to do that. Uh, we would really greatly appreciate if you go subscribe. All kinds of good stuff on that YouTube channel. So we're going to take a quick break, then come back, talk receivers, talk tight ends, talk offensive line as we get ready for 2022. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Welcome back, everybody. Well, we're going to jump back on the offense preview and probably talk about what is the most crucial, in my opinion, group for this team, and it's the offensive line. It's a group that we've had questions about going back to spring practice when they were replacing two starters. It's kind of still up in the air, Kip, and I kind of feel like it's very funny. We got uh, the email earlier this morning just about availability uh, for tonight, and we're talking to Tate Ratledge, and Tate is kind of the biggest question mark for me. Mm. Been dealing with turf toe, has not been in the last two scrimmages. I mean, I hate to read too much into any of this stuff, but the fact we're getting to talk to him seems pretty good, not only about his role, but more so just his availability. I mean, the fact that they have kind of had to take it easy with him. To me, if everything was, you know, 100% health and everything was good to go, he's that starting right guard. Uh, And there's still kind of the question at left guard. It seems like it's either going to be Devin Willick or Xavier Truss. We had seen Devin Willick work there early in fall camp. Xavier Truss was a guy during that first scrimmage. Um, Other than that, I think the rest of the offensive line is kind of set. Broderick Jones at left tackle. Obviously, we saw him play a good bit there last year and obviously came in in the national championship game. Again, question at left guard. Cedric Van Pran, the center, uh, obviously has done a very good job of establishing himself. Thought it spoke really highly of him that they send him to Atlanta for media days. You know, you're kind of a guy that they trust and want. Uh, to have a chance to talk to everybody. Tate Ratledge, you know, we've seen Jared Wilson, a redshirt freshman, work there as well, while Tate has dealt with turf toe. Uh, Kind of to be decided when it comes to that, and very intrigued to hear what Tate has to say tonight. Uh, And then Warren McClendon, kind of the the silent guy that has just continued to to be reliable, be a guy that they can uh, count on and and has done a very good job in that role. Uh, Kip, what do you think of this offensive line? whether it be the the battles that really seem to still be going on at guard or some of the more established guys we see on this line? I think you really have to like where things are setting up right now. Anytime you can bring back three guys that should be all conference players when all is said and done, uh, that bodes really well. And I think, yeah, I don't think George is going to send Tate Ratledge out there, uh, you know, for no reason at all. I don't think Kirby does anything, you know, by, by circumstance or coincidence. And Rusty kind of pointed out on the junkyard earlier that, you know, that Tate was probably going to be set to, to return this week, but that they're also just trying to take it slow with him. I mean, you want him for the long haul, you want him for the whole season. So if you have, you know, if Ron Corson has any doubt whatsoever on his availability, then they're going to hold him off as long as they can. But he's talking to, if he's talking to the media, it does bode well. And, yeah, you know, he's the guy we all said. If, if he's in that offensive line, then they're probably set up to be really, really good. Uh, as far as that left guard is concerned, uh, you know, I, I think it's more of this them trying to get as many looks as they can to give both Truss and Willick a chance to show what they can do. I, th- I think that's a true competition right there. So, uh, you know, I don't – I mean – I don't think you can really give one guy, I mean, maybe Xavier Truss a, a little bit of an edge, but I, I think it's pretty close at that position. And uh, Cedric Van Prant's kind of that, that underrated part of the line. If we're talking about potentially two new guys starting at guard, who else do you want to have coming back than the guy like Cedric Van Prant at center who can know all the plays and, and make sure he gets both of his guards in the right position to make sure they're set up for success. So. Uh, you know, regardless, both guards are going to have a guy on both sides of them, you know, 
returning a returning starter. They're going to, you know, if they need to look at uh, Broderick Jones, you know, he started last year. He'll be able to, you know, make sure that Xavier Trust is set up well. Uh, obviously, Warren McClendon, anytime you get a guy out of Glen County, I should know. I mean, you're going to get a guy that's, uh, you know, high, high uh, IQ and a guy who, uh, you know, is really going to perform better than uh, expectations, better than anyone thinks. It, if you're not hearing Warren McClendon's name all season, it's because he did his job. And I think that's the way it's been for him. It was him for what was for him last last season. He's not looking to, to be an all, you know, get a bunch of awards, being all American. He's just going out there and trying to get his job done. I think he's done so at a high level. So I you really have to like where where this offensive line is. And then, you know, Marius Mims coming in and, and getting uh locked in and prepared to potentially be that that third offensive tackle. We talked about Ernest Green, the true freshman, a little banged up, but a guy that coming along quickly. But if you can have a Marius Mims as your swing tackle, uh, that that's really good depth, and that's really something that Georgia has right now on the offensive line that the you know they they really haven't had really ever. I mean, a guy like Warren Erickson is is backing you up at center guard, uh, and you know if Jared Wilson's also backing you up at center and right guard. Uh, those are really, really good players. And I think that's that's really, really positive for Georgia. That's why they're trying to give as many guys looks as they can because they know it's a long season and they want to have multiple guys prepared for success. And I, I really think what we've heard so far, uh, it's been really, really positive. I think this, this offensive line is set up to be, you know, we can't say best ever because it's just it, a lot of expectations. But I think on paper, it, it's as good as I've ever seen at Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of gotten that feel, even going through fall camp when Kirby Smart has talked about the guards, you know, because that's really the battle that has been uh, at the forefront, especially with the offensive line. They feel good about their options. I don't think that there's one guy in that conversation where if it has to be that guy, they're like, oh, man. You know, I think they like their options. It's just a matter of figuring out who fits best with the other linemen. So I think that's a, that's a positive sign. I think they know they've got talent there. Uh, I saw Jordan Harris, who, again, thanks, Jordan, for watching. I think he is always on these. He said, go ahead and ask him this evening what's up with his toe, talking about Tate. Don't worry. That'll be like the first question, the second question, the sixth question. He, They know what's coming with Tate. I'm sure he's going to give us a, a heads up on what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, I think they feel good about offensive line. It will be interesting, really, to see if Tate's ready to go, because I think if he is, that right guard position is probably going to be his. And then between Truss and Willick. And, and obviously these battles could go into the season. So it's going to be something to watch. Uh, let's switch to wide receiver. Another position where we have a pretty good feel, I think, of who's going to be the top guys. But a lot of names and a lot of guys that I think are in position to step up and play significant roles. You know, I, I feel like those top three guys, as we've talked about before, Adonai Mitchell, uh, Lad McConkie, Garris Jackson, those seem to be the three guys that have kind of stood out from the pack, but a lot of guys who have really risen to the occasion. Don Blaylock, a guy that, you know, has been through some really tough times, had two knee injuries to the same knee, has played well. Kirby pointed out that he had a good catch in that scrimmage, uh, the second scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, you've got some of the young guys. Dylan Bell's a guy we've heard a lot about, and I've pointed out in a few of my practice reports, just looking at him, not not so much what he's doing. That dude is built like an SEC receiver. How much he plays right away, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, there are so many different options they have. Jackson Meeks, 
Marcus or Zimmy Jack Saint. They've got guys that I think can play significant roles, uh, even with losing a guy like Arian Smith, who I think is a significant loss just because of his speed. And I think they would have uh, worked to really get those guys involved. Uh, but what do you think about what this receiver room looks like, what they're bringing to the table? And if any of those guys in particular really stand out to you as we get ready for the year? I think, I mean, I think even with some guys banged up, I think they've shown that they've built a little bit of depth there. So uh, I think Georgia's set up pretty well to continue rotating guys in. If I'm looking, uh, you know, obviously the alpha in the room right now will be A.D. Mitchell. I think he's a guy that will probably be, a, you know, a top three playmaker overall in Georgia's offense. If if I got Kenny McIntosh as Georgia's, I guess, bell cow and feature guy in their offense, uh, I think A.D. Mitchell's probably right there after him. And I know we're going to talk about the tight end position a little bit, but I do think A.D. Mitchell – and all is said and done will be that number two guy in this offense this season. I think he's set up well for it. Uh, I think you saw the confidence build last year and, and his ability to uh, to improve is, you know, not catching with his body, catching with his hands and, and using that catch radius to uh, to beat some pretty good uh, DBs, especially in the playoffs. So I, I do think that he's set up for success. And I think it, you mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of guys. I think Don Blaylock's that that next guy for me. I think he's a guy that just his ability to to play any wide receiver position. They're going to need that, you know, whether they, you know, if you have Kyrus Jackson banged up, you know, different guys banged up. Don Blaylock is is shown that you know he can do pretty much anything you ask him out there. And I think Todd Monken's going to utilize that. I think he loved what he had in him before the injury, and now you know, healthy again. I think he, he is going to really showcase what he can do. That's the type of guy that Todd Monken really, really showcases in his offense. So I think Dominic Playoff set up really well. And then after that, he got Lad McConkin, Karis Jackson, as guys that will probably play a lot of snaps and be able to to make plays when they need him to. And I think Jackson Meeks is that guy that you mentioned that, you know, if you're looking for a guy that could maybe not getting talked about a lot but can end up being top five among receivers uh, throughout the season – I think he's that guy. Uh, I don't know if the lights come on yet, you know, for him completely, but he always shows flashes and he has the ability to really make a lot of plays. So, uh, you know, we haven't even really talked about, you know, the true freshman coming in, like you said, with Dylan Bell. I, I think they're set up really well to have a lot of playmakers rotate in and out. But I think at the top, their top four or five guys, I, th I think it's a really strong group and one that I think Stetson Bennett's going to depend on a lot this year. I think they're in good shape, and it's going to be very interesting just to see some of the rotations, who gets in. And again, this will be a good transition to tight ends. You know, those receivers, Kirby Smart said it at the first day of fall camp, they're kind of competing with the tight ends. Some of those guys, you know, understand that there's going to be situations where they could get multi-tight ends out there. Well, if they do that, you know, that's going to mean some of those receivers are watching from the sideline. Let's talk about tight end. This, you know, the book is out on these tight ends. This might be the deepest tight end room, might be the deepest individual position group in the country. I think you could make that argument. Having Brock Bowers, Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, and again, the guy that it kind of feels like people forget about, Oscar Delp, the freshman who was, oh, by the way, just a four star. Uh, you know, having him, having Brett Scyther, also Rylan Goaty, they have a lot of options. Obviously, it really seems like those top three are Bowers, Delp, are Bowers. Gilbert and Darnell Washington. 
what do you make of just what this tight end room can mean for Georgia, uh, what it brings to this offense, and really how Stetson Bennett can make the most of these guys and what their roles can be? They can really do whatever they want with these guys. I mean, there's the, the the playbook that I can't imagine what uh, Todd Munkin is, is, try, is dialing up and uh, ready to unleash this year. But that group, uh, we haven't seen a, a position group like that. I don't, I don't know about, you know, I'm not a college football historian. I can't pull back and say that, you know, there's been a, a group that's had like three first rounders on the roster at one time or anything like that. Uh, but this group, uh, we haven't seen a group like that in a long time. And, and if I, if I'm calling AD Mitchell number two, I'm obviously calling Brock Bowers number three. Uh, I think that, you know, defenses are probably going to make sure that they uh, double him up anytime they can, but he's still going to get his. He showed that at the end of the year, uh, you know, every team lined up trying to stop him and he still beat them uh, over and over again, you know, in the college football playoffs. So you have a guy like him. And if I'm really, if I'm ranking my playmakers, I got Darnell Washington number four and I got Gilbert number five. So three through five, you know, as much as I love what Don Blaylock's bringing to the offense, and I think he'll, he could be the number two receiver. I, I don't, you know, I think tight ends are probably three through five as far as what Georgia is going to utilize this year. Why wouldn't they? I mean, you, I mean, as much as you want them to line up five wide and just, you know, air raid offense, they're going to line up with, with those tight ends all over the field. Not just, they're not inline blockers. I mean, Darnell can, can you know, block with the best of them, but that's a guy that you want going over the middle across the field and being six, seven and a half, 280 pounds of just pure mismatch. And obviously Gilbert, you know, he's got just a, a, a very rare combination, you know, six, five, 240, 245 pounds. Uh, those guys are, you know, are very uncommon as well. So you got those three guys, you move them around pre-snap, uh, you confuse the defense and then, you know, you know that Stetson Bennett can, can chunk it to any one of those three and a big play is probably, you know, going to happen. So I, I think it's just very unique. I haven't really seen anything like it. And I think you put those guys with the other, you know, the receivers and the running backs that Georgia has. It just it just gives you so much to work with. And, you know, once, you know, Gilbert gets out in the field and plays a snap for Georgia, uh, you know, in an actual game, then they'll be able to say that they have, you know, three NFL guys, you know, out there on the field. And, and obviously Oscar Delp, he might not be in my top eight right now, but I think by the end of the year, he's going to be a guy that, you know, they might have to put him out there with the wide receivers just to get him some snaps because he's just too talented. He's a pass catcher. That's just really, really tough to defend as well. And probably another future NFL guy down the road. When we had a chance to talk to Darnell Washington during fall camp, he said what I think pretty much sums up that position group, those tight ends. He was asked to describe those tight ends, and he said one word, and it was mismatch. And that, I mean, that that's just kind of how it is. And, you know, I, I was kind of struck, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when we talked to Todd Munkin. He was asked about the fact Georgia has not had a 1,000-yard receiver since 2002. And you think about this group, and I think that this is more of a positive than a negative. I don't think that's going to happen because I think they're going to get the ball out to a lot of different guys. I think they understand that they don't have to rely on one guy. They do not have to count on one guy to be 
the number one pass catcher. And if, well, if we can't get the ball to this guy, then it's just not happening and we're in trouble. I think they're going to be able to spread the ball around effectively. And again, you know, people love numbers and people love to see, you know, if that were to happen, if Georgia was finally able to break that streak since it's been so long. But I think they're in good shape as far as being able to count on multiple guys and not have to rely on just one guy specifically in the passing game as they get ready for a new year. Uh, Kip, before we wrap up this episode, talking about the offense, focusing on the offense, are there any big questions that really stand out to you? Things you want to see, things you're more interested in? Uh, I I can kind of open with what uh, I'm really intrigued by, and it's just how this offensive line comes together. Not so much who's starting. We kind of talked about that, some of the competitions. But, you know, these guys all have to be on the same page. And we know that through fall camp, there's been different combinations and they've worked with different guys. But what does that look like early on? You know, Georgia walks into a situation in that first game with Oregon. They're going to play the 11th ranked team in the nation and a team that's got a really good defense. How do they sort of handle these early tests? How does this offensive line kind of meld and, and get on the same page together? I think that's really my biggest question with this offense. And then just generally, who sort of breaks out at receiver behind those top three guys we talked about? Gieras, A.D. Mitchell, Ladd McConkey. Uh, what are some of the big questions you have just about this offense in general going into 2022? Can, can Kendall Milton stay healthy? Yeah. Uh, that's that's a question for me is, you know, we're talking about depth of positions and we talk about the running back position. And I mentioned that, you know, maybe Kenny McIntosh is the feature back this year. But, uh, you know, when, when he needs a breather or if maybe he's banged up, uh, who is next at that position? Who is that next guy? And, and I mean, if it's, you know, if, it, if it's Dejon Edwards, you know, he's a guy that has really done well when he's on the field but usually when he's on the field there's there's some backups on the field it's usually you know at least for Georgia's offense so there's sometimes that the opponents still have their starters in because they're trying to get the ball back and try to score a touchdown on Georgia's defense so that they can have that touchdown to the, you know they kind of hang in their hat and so he's he's gone against probably some starters on defense but it hasn't been in key situations when they really needed a big play for him can he be that guy uh, that's kind of a question mark for me. We haven't, we still haven't really seen what Kendall Milton can do. And, you know, here we are, he's been here a couple of years and a guy that came in with a lot of fanfare. And, and, and so I want to see what he's capable of. And then also, yeah, like you said, on the offensive line, I, I, Tate Ravage, let's see him in a game and see him, you know, that injury was real tough, you know, not being able to, to finish the opener last year. If he comes back this week and, and he's ready to go, uh, seeing, you know, just seeing what he brings to the table for the offensive line, because he's just one of those guys that is different. And when he's on the field, I mean, he's noticeable in the way that he finishes his blocks, his overall athleticism and strength. And, and so we talked about three guys that we feel really good about. If he's on the field, then that, that should mean George has got four of those guys that should be able to take that offensive line to another level. So that's kind of it's just the guys that have been injured in the past coming back healthy. That's kind of that going into the opener. Uh, that's what I want to see. Just knowing that teams aren't healthy, teams don't still stay healthy the whole year. But these are guys that Georgia probably needs if they're if they want to you know fulfill their potential and kind of get back to the playoffs and compete for championships again. 
Curtis Maximus 51 asked about when we we're talking about the tight end ceiling higher for Bowers or Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert was unstoppable in high school. I think the ceiling will be higher for Eric Gilbert, but it's just a matter of, you know, we don't really know. We, we haven't gotten to see him go through a season kind of to the same point you just made Kip about Tate Ratledge. I want to see Eric Gilbert on the field. You know, I want to see how he handles this season because, you know, I think Brock's a very talented guy. But it was funny when we got a chance to talk to Brock Bowers for the first time, I was looking at him and I was like, you know, he's not really quite as big as I sort of thought he was. You look at Eric Gilbert, that's not the case. He is a humongous human being. And that's sort of, when they've talked about these tight ends, you know, they've talked about Brock is sort of that receiving threat. He's got speed. Darnell Washington, obviously 6'7", humongous guy who, who also can catch the ball. And then Eric Gilbert's kind of a mix of both of them. I think that that is sort of what answers my question. I think his ability to do both makes him a very intriguing guy. But again, if you know, if you were asking me who I think will be the top receiver, or top pass catcher, it's still going to be Brock. Um, but what Eric brings to the table, I think, is really promising. If you're talking about really focusing on a ceiling, I feel like he's kind of got it over Bowers. Quick question for you, then. I know that you know we're not really trying to predict anything right now, but we're talking about receivers and pass catchers for Georgia. Uh, Brock Bowers, A.D. Mitchell, who who has more receiving yards at the end of the year? I'm going to give the edge to Bowers. I just think we saw what they did last year and understanding that mismatch. But I think I don't think it's going to be drastic between the two. I mean, I think it's those two are going to be those top pass catchers. But what would your answer be? I, I think I would go with Brock, but where would you go between the two? I, I think A.D. Mitchell is going to be that guy that's a, a true number one receiver for Georgia. And I just think that the amount of attention that Bowers is going to receive this year is going to probably put Georgia in situations where they, they can't help but but look A.D. Mitchell's way because I, I think they're going to bracket Bowers any chance they get. And they're going to hope that A.D. Mitchell, uh, his, you know, his hands, if he has, you know, once in a while he'd have a drop last year. I think they're going to hope that he continues to do that. But if he doesn't, I mean, they're really not going to have a choice. If they're if they're going one-on-one with him down the field, I think he's going to be set up to make big plays. Uh, maybe, you know, Bowers is probably overall the more talented guy and the guy that's got that NFL future. I think he'd be a first-rounder right now. Uh, but uh, I think A.D. Mitchell statistically could be that guy that's pushing for 800, 900 yards uh, maybe at the end of the regular season. And, you know, may, maybe Monk can get to this thousand-yard receiver for Georgia. I, I think A.D. Mitchell definitely has a chance to be that guy this year. Before we wrap this up, Kip, while we were recording uh, news out of Alabama that Nick Saban has been approved for an eight-year, ninety-three point six million dollar deal through twenty thirty, what that means as far as while we're bringing it up, that means he has passed Kirby Smart as far as the highest-paid coaches in college football. Uh, any thoughts on that? I got to say, I'm not very surprised. I mean, I think that uh, both these coaches have earned uh, those paychecks and uh, not a surprise. I mean, Nick Saban has got, you know, he's got the greatest resume in college football history. I, I'd say it's kind of hard to argue. Uh, and I'd say those two guys are, are both feeling pretty good about their situations uh, going into a new year. Man, Jimmy Sexton, he got Kirby that contract and he just couldn't help himself. He had to call his other buddy, uh, Nick Saban, and say, uh, you know, I got I got you next. Who who would have thought that was gonna happen with a couple of Jimmy uh, Sexton clients? So I guess yeah, I guess Saban is now set up to coach until he's seventy eight. Um that's incredible. I, I think uh, every year it's the uh this is gonna be his last year, but 
I don't, I just don't see it. I think he's, I mean, he's as long as he is physically able to coach, he's going to do it. And I, yeah, I am not surprised at all. As soon as Kirby got his contract, uh, I, the, the negotiations had already started and I would imagine they were pretty quick for Nick Saban to get his, uh, his new contract extension. I, I think that's just part of it. So, uh, you know, now, uh, Kirby smart can set his, uh, goal of, uh, you know, if you, if you beat Saban again, you, you get to go back and renegotiate another two years at the end of your deal. I think that's how this works now. So yeah, congrats to Nick Saban. Uh, he's, he's the goat. And, uh, you know, I think it was, you know, there was no, there was no debate on whether or not the, this was going to happen. Uh, so congrats to him and congrats to the both of them. I think they've had a pretty good off season. My only question would be, man, Kip, could you imagine what that number would have been had Alabama's top receivers stayed healthy in that championship game? Yeah, I, I think we're looking at an $11 million salary at least, uh, you know, but uh, you can't overcome things like that. Like I said, that's the one thing you can't overcome is is not having your top two playmakers. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter if you're going into the season without them. It only matters in the last game. Right, right. Well, we're going to wrap it up uh, at that. Uh, appreciate everybody watching. Appreciate everybody listening and asking questions. We'll have another episode. I think we're shooting for Thursday to do uh, the defense, basically the same thing we did today, go through position by position. And appreciate you guys asking questions. Appreciate you guys tuning in and letting us know what you want to hear because this is all for you guys. Appreciate you guys' support, uh, letting us know uh, that uh, you're watching. Uh, be sure to go subscribe. Again, go to the YouTube channel, Dogs247, and Get all signed up so you can follow all these videos. So we're going to get out of here on that. Thanks again to Kip for taking some time to pop on here with me. I appreciate everybody watching and listening. Make sure and go subscribe. And uh, on that note, we're out of here. Until next time, take care. Go Brave. hottest show is fire country i'm not a hero i'm in orange for a reason they're taking 12 months off your sentence you're free lady with a special epic season finale now that i'm out i need something to get me up in the morning you are a firefighter you speak that will be unforgettable in the name of your life's happiness go get your girl she's getting married tomorrow says when do you let anything get in the way of what you want the fire country season finale friday 9 8 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus